Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mooney Ponds Baptist Church Podcast. Here we upload our weekly teachings that happen every Sunday at our 10 a.m. service. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to us and check out our website at mpbc.org.au. Good morning. So today's reading, we've just got one verse actually, Proverbs 10 verse 18 from the NIV. It reads, Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. Thank you. (laughs) What an amazing reading. (laughs) Great job, Evan. Oh, welcome. Um, So, what we're going to be doing is as this... Hey, of course, Nathan's up here. There's a Mentimeter. What do you expect? (laughs) Um, So, this will be up here for a little bit. Please, you're welcome to get your phones out. Join in the conversation. Join in the discussion. Everything is anonymous. Um, <clears throat> I'm really interested to see some of your thoughts. So, when I was a kid, Pokemon cards were a massive thing, right? So, like, I was probably pretty obsessed with them. Um, I remember collecting all these holographic cards that were called, like, shinies, is what we used to call them. Yep, that's right. I had, like, a shiny Blastoise and Arcanine, even, like, a shiny Charizard, which was the card that everybody wanted. And obviously, all first-generation Pokemon, because they're the best. Now, these trading cards, um, tra- trading these cards was like a big you know, part of collecting them. They're called trading cards. So you might trade off a card you had for another that someone else has. Like if you got doubles of one, that might be a great way to expand your collection. <clears throat> now, primary school-aged me was borrowing some cards off a family friend. Um, actually borrowing, not borrowing. And that was a super kind thing for them to do. And so in my possession at the time, I had this shiny Pokemon called Chansey, right? It's literally like a hybrid pink kangaroo cross egg blob thing. I don't know how to describe it, but you can look at it when we just check it out. Look at it, look at it, there it is. And in my borrowing, I ended up trading this card away for some other cards with another person. I took something that wasn't mine and effectively stole it through third-party Pokemon trading fraud. Um, Now, I was a kid in primary school at the time, but I'm pretty sure I knew that I was doing something pretty wrong. When it came to returning the cards to the original owner, well, that was a really awkward conversation for me to have now, wasn't it? Especially for a socially awkward kid with far too much energy. My actions led to a breach of trust and a broken relationship between the two of us at the time, and I had to deal with the consequences of my actions. Now, while you might not be a criminal mastermind in Pokemon fraud like my childhood self, there's a high chance that you've experienced a broken, damaged relationship between you and another person in your own life. Have you ever experienced a broken relationship? It might be a distant and fractured relationship that has been broken for an extended period. Maybe it's a recent occurrence involving work or a close friend where you notice that it's just a bit awkward between you and you've noticed that there's some distance growing between the two of you. Maybe it could involve a sibling or relative with whom you were once like very close. Thank you for your honesty. Uh, now, 
I want to be fully transparent with all of you. And it's really interesting preaching about this at the moment because I'm going through this exact same thing right now. I used to be really close to this person. We both said and did some things. And now it's radio silence. And it has been for years. Like, you can call me a hypocrite. Burn him. Life's messy. I'm not perfect. Um, And this has been an issue because clearly it's just because they see things their way and I see things the right way, right? That's right. So while I joke about it, there's something there that we all want to believe, right? Like, if only you saw things my way, then everything would be fine. And my way is obviously the right way. And we're all guilty of this, right? When we're faced with a disconnect in our relationship with another person, we often try and convince them that we're right. We try to control them. We try to coerce them into our own way of seeing things. And sometimes we do it consciously, and sometimes we're not even aware of it. But I feel as if this is how we naturally gravitate towards handling these kinds of situations. And all it does is make things worse, right? Resolutions remain elusive, conflicts unresolved. Then, like our inner monologue, it tells us, oh, oh, there's nothing I can do about it. I tried. You know what? I, I just don't care. Our actions can just continue to push people further away from us. Like, think about it, right? We might want to mend a relationship and have the mindset of repair, so we say something like this. I'm sorry if I offended you. Has anyone ever said that to someone or had that said to them? Like, how, how does that make you feel? Reply with an emoji. I'm trying to fix this situation. I'm apologizing to you. I'm being considerate to you. But what does this really say to them? You're really implying, oh, good. No, that's a good, good face. Yeah, great. <laughs> You're really implying that they're quick to take offense, right? Well, most people wouldn't have been offended by what I said. Sorry that you were. You must be less in touch with reality and the world around you. I'm sorry for that. And then we wonder why people don't accept our apology after we just insulted them without meaning to. But what if our apologies are actually more sincere? What if we admit our fault, the part we played, how we contributed to the situation and didn't consider their feelings? Surely that should be enough to mend a broken relationship, right? And this is where I kind of stumbled with my own personal broken relationship. I was so certain if I just said, I'm sorry, and like genuinely admit that I was sorry for all that transpired and all that I did, then we would be on a path to renewal. My thinking was along the lines of, I mean, why are you still upset? I said, I'm sorry. I acknowledge that I did something wrong. We should be fine now. But what I didn't realize was that I was just saying, now, I've done my part. I'm the better person. I said, I'm sorry. You should accept my apology. We should be back to where we were before anything happened. I've done my bit, so what's wrong with you? Has anyone else done the same as me? And if you're not sure, here's a litmus test for you. When you like rehearse those narratives in your mind about why things are bad or how you're going to talk through things with them, you put the fault on them. 
And when we continue to frame situations with the fault being on the other person, you can see why it's easy to develop feelings of resentment. Our reading today from Proverbs 10.18 speaks into this. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. So when the book of Proverbs dives into the concept of hatred, it's not exactly the kind of intense hatred that has you picturing, you know, screaming and tearing people like each other apart. It's not that simple. See, if you crack open the Bible and you look a bit closely, like you'll notice that the word hate pops up in situations that might not fit our typical understanding. It's really about ill will. It's when you start harboring like negative vibes for someone. It's like you genuinely find joy in their misfortunes. That's where the hate starts creeping in. So when you're finding happiness in someone else's unhappiness, that's when you're dipping your toes into the pool of ill will. And when we conceal those feelings, we don't just conceal it from the person, but also from ourselves. When we tell ourselves that, you know, it's not hatred that we're experiencing. So when we're in situations talking about this person, maybe to someone else, we might find ourselves framing that person in a negative light and saying things about them that shouldn't be said, spreading slander. And it's so easy to do, isn't it? Like, we do it to people we haven't even met. Like, don't tell me you haven't said anything bad about a politician before, right? Hello, Donald Trump. Now, I'm pretty sure we can all think of some relationships in the lives of the people around us that we see as being broken. Perhaps someone in your family had a falling out with a sibling or maybe a close friend. Someone they had a deep bond with for countless years and then something transpired. It's possible that throughout your upbringing, even into like your adult years, you overhear people discussing like this individual. Every time their name crops up or any mention of them arises, you can sense that there's this kind of like underlying tension from the echoes of all that ill will that have come through in conversation. Like while we're on the outside looking in and we listen to the reasons why people are so upset and what you know, drives these once close individuals apart, especially when it involves family members, it's, isn't it easy to think, this just seems a bit trivial, doesn't it? Just pick up the phone and call them. Meet up, sort all this mess out. Go grab dinner or something. You know, just do something and reconcile. Don't wait till it's too late. What are you waiting for? It seems so easy from an outside perspective. Why can't you just fix it? Like, we love to fix things, don't we? And that's all well and good when we, like, you know, drop our phone and break our screen. We have control over all the steps and actions that we have to take to fix it. When it comes to relationships, we don't have access to all the pieces of the puzzle. We can't control how the other person feels. We don't have all the parts to put it back together. So in our relationships with others, repairing a broken relationship isn't a guarantee because it takes the participation of all parties. So with so much of relationship reconciliation is like out of our control, how do we approach it then? Let me ease some tensions. Like it seems like really negative and there's a lot, right? But let me simplify it. Here's the goal. Our aim is to give it our all. It's about making sure 
we've given it our all, that we've opened every door and did everything possible within our own capacity, we've put down the hate, we've smoothed out any unnecessary bumps in the path to reconnecting with that person. Essentially, we're ensuring that we're making room for them to step forward. Now, let's flip the coin here. The, the not so great part about this is this. No matter who slipped up or who's currently in the wrong, no matter how much blame rests on their shoulders compared to yours, you have a role to play in the process of reconciliation. For us in our relationships with others, restoring them doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be changes. If there were harmful behaviors previously, reconciliation might mean having healthy boundaries put in place. Much like in our faith journey, our understanding, our relationship with God, it grows and it develops. Reconciliation doesn't mean that things will be the same. Sometimes we might even have needed that space to grow as people and recognize the boundaries that needed to be put in place. And it might seem at times that it's not worth the hassle. It's not worth the effort of even bothering to repair the broken relationships in our lives. Like, why bother? So the Bible tells us to be happy, adhering to the teaching of Jesus, don't carry the burden. These are, these are good answers. Peace. Because. Love that. <laughs> if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're somebody who wakes up every day and decides, you know what? To the best of my ability, I'm going to choose faith. Like, reconciliation is actually at the heart of what it is to be a Christian. And if reconciliation is a fancy word, it simply means restoring a relationship. It's an ongoing story that we are a part of today. It's a story of salvation, of redemption, where God reconciles our messy humanity back to himself. And this is something that you might not have thought about before. God didn't settle with just forgiveness. Like, wrap your heads around this. Forgiveness is just half the story. Like, I can totally forgive someone, yet never lift a finger to bridge the gap between us. Reconciliation is the victory, and it's all intertwined. Our connection with the divine, our bonds with each other, and our relationship with Jesus, it's all woven together. Much like me thinking that saying sorry would fix everything, with just forgiveness, we can fall into that same trap. Like, I get to make the decision to forgive. I choose to hold all the pieces of the puzzle. I get to control the outcome and the whole process. Forgiveness can be a very one-sided process. It's unfortunate, I think, that sometimes Christianity has been kind of simplified down to this. It's kind of understanding of forgiveness. Like, you know, God forgives me, I forgive you, and then we're all good. But the catch with this, this kind of perspective of Christianity, is that it has us constantly like looking upwards. It doesn't really compel us to look around at the people around us. However, when you read through the Gospels, you notice something. God didn't just stop at forgiveness. That's not where the journey ends. It's much bigger than that. God's forgiveness isn't just a standalone thing. It's a means to an extraordinary goal. It's like God forgave us to clear away 
the roadblocks to relationship, to pave the way for reconciliation. The big obstacle, it's sin. But the grand prize, the ultimate victory, is reconciliation. It's about piecing together a restored relationship with your heavenly Father. In John 13, verse 34 to 35, Jesus is coming to the end of his ministry, and he gathers with his disciples for Passover, and it reads, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He's saying, you are to do for others as I've done for you. You are to love others as I have loved you. Let me be the example that you can follow. Forgiveness wasn't enough. As I reconciled with you, reconcile with others. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 2, verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Even in the midst of all my mess-ups, God didn't just settle for forgiving me and calling it a day. There's more to it. He hand-picked me because he desired a genuine connection. He went ahead and swept aside all the barriers that stood between him and me. And he's left us with this message applicable to every single one of us. In your relationships with one another, which relationships? It's all of them. Have the same mindset as Jesus. Or think the same way as him. So is Christ Jesus calling the shots in every single one of your relationships? This is a game-changing concept because we're talking about going at your relationships the same way that God showcased through the example of Jesus. And what was the mindset that Jesus had in his relationships with others? Many of us in church circles will be familiar with the parable of the lost sheep. 100 sheep, one goes missing, and the shepherd, Jesus, is determined to find the lost one, leaving the 99 and going off to track down this one sheep. And we read in Matthew 9, verse 10 to 12, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. As the band comes up, Jesus laid it out pretty plain and simple. His mission wasn't aimed at the people who's got everything neatly sorted out. No, he came knocking at the door of those who've broken their relationship with the Heavenly Father. His call wasn't for the ones who are all self-righteous and good to go. He didn't come for them. He didn't come to cozy up with them. He didn't come to nod in their direction. His target was the sinners, those who needed a change of heart. He couldn't pull that off from a distance. He needed to be up close and personal. Reconciliation isn't just a distant concept. It needs us to get up close. It demands that we take steps towards those who we're reconciling with. And here's the kicker. If we decide to walk the Jesus path, this is what it's all about. We're going to take action. We're going to dismantle every barrier inside. Because the goal is clear. We're going all in. Doing whatever it takes to clear the path for what we hope will result 
full-on reconciliation. Like, I know I have some work to do. And maybe you do too.